Well, I want you to pull out your sermon notes with me because we're in unshakable part four. We're looking at Daniel chapter two, and Daniel chapter two is one of the most pivotal passages in all of Scripture. It, it contains world history. It gives us a panorama of all that is going to happen from Daniel on. God gives not a prophet or a priest, but a pagan king a vision of the future, a dream of the future to tell him what's going to happen. And God's trying to get something across to us. The poet Percy Shelley Many, many years ago, he writes a poem, talks of a, a giant statue, his most famous poem, giant statue in the desert, and there are just some big stone legs, the trunk of the body is gone, and on the sand, looking up into the sky is a giant head with a face, with a sneer on it, mighty, haughty, and at the base of the pedestal, it says this, my name is Ozymandias, king of kings, look on my works, ye mighty, and despair. Percy Shelley goes on to say, nothing beside remains round the decay of that colossal wreck, boundless and bare. The lone and level sands stretch far away. That's what we're going to see this morning. We're going to see how temporary power is. We're going to see how temporary the things that this world says, this is what it's all about, how temporary they are. And so we're going to begin to look at what God is saying about history and what God has designed in all of this. In fact, what we're going to find is that God is threading a story through all of these things. And so I want you to write this down there in your notes, if you will. Your life is either part of the greatest story ever told or a bad telenovela. Your life is going to be, every day you have the choice. Am I going to join in on the greatest story ever told or is it just going to be telenovela time? High drama. How many of you have ever seen a telenovela? Okay. Now, a lot of you, you don't know what that is. That's the Spanish soap opera. Okay, and if you thought that the soap operas in English were overacted, you have not seen anything yet, all right? I mean, it's just high drama. Saturday Night Live, you know, parodies that, you know, and they're always, you know, looking at all of these things. But the, the thing is, a lot of us, we're, we're, we're involved in drama all the time because we're trying to make some meaning out of this life and, and, and so we're attracted to the drama we're pulled to the drama and God's going I've got so much more for you I'm going to read this whole passage to you and we're going to talk it through a lot of scripture but it's, it's, I, think it's, I think it's so interesting somebody for sure should have made a movie out of this by now but uh, let, let's take a look Daniel chapter 2 if you have your Bible you can open it it'll be on the screen for you if not, in the second year of his reign, Nebuchadnezzar, he's the great king of Babylon, Daniel 17 right now at, at this point, had dreams. His mind was troubled and he could not sleep. So the king summoned the magicians, the enchanters, the sorcerers, the astrologers to tell him what he had dreamed. 
When they came in and stood before the king, he said to them, I've had a dream that troubles me. I want to know what it means. It, the, the tenses here, it seems like it's a recurring dream. It's something every night he can't sleep. This dream, as soon as he goes to sleep, comes back to him in force. Then the astrologers answered the king. May the king live forever. Tell your servants the dream and we will interpret it. The king replied to the astrologers, this is what I firmly decided. If you do not tell me what my dream was and interpret it, I will have you cut into pieces and your houses turned into piles of rubble. So what do you really think, Nebuchadnezzar, right? But if you tell me the dream and explain it, you will receive from me gifts and rewards and great honor. So tell me the dream and interpret it for me. Once more they replied, let the king tell his servants the dream and we will interpret it. Then the king answered, I am certain that you're trying to gain time because you realize that this is what I have firmly decided. If you do not tell me the dream, there is only one penalty for you. You have conspired to tell me misleading and wicked things, hoping the situation will change. So then tell me the dream and I will know that you can interpret it for me. The astrologers answered the king, there's, there's no one on earth who can do what the king asked. No king, however great and mighty, has ever asked such a thing of any magician or enchanter or astrologer. What the king asked is too difficult. No one can reveal it to the king except the gods and they do not live among humans. This made the king so angry and furious that he ordered the execution of all the wise men of Babylon. So the decree was issued to put the wise men to death and men were sent to look for Daniel and his friends to put them to death. The 17 year old boy and his friends, they were already up among considered the wise men. They weren't in this group that was before the king, but they were gonna be put to get death. When Arioch, the commander of the king's guard had gone out to put to death the wise men of Babylon, Daniel spoke to him with wisdom and tact. We keep seeing this. He asked the king's officer, why did the king issue such a harsh decree? Arioch then explained the matter to Daniel. At this, Daniel went to the king and asked for time so that he might interpret the dream for him. So we see King Nebuchadnezzar, he's desperate to know this. He knows this dream is something supernatural. He knows this dream came from somewhere else. He's not a believer in God, but he knows that this came from somewhere. You know, it, it, it's so interesting because usually when I have a dream, I had a lot of vivid dreams last night, and a lot of times it's just like bad pizza I ate the night before, you know? So I don't try to interpret all my dreams, and a lot of them don't make any sense, you know? But God is still giving people dreams in the night, and we don't see it that much uh, in our uh you know, circles and stuff because uh, we're able to read his word. And, but did you know in the Muslim population that there are dreams that are coming like, I talked to a guy the other day and, and he said a friend of his has had this dream and in the dream a man in a, a, a white garment with flowing hair appears to him and says, my name is Isha. Isha is Jesus in Arabic and my name is Isha. And you will know me, and I want to know you. And he said, I'm going to appear to you seven times. And by the seventh time, you will know me. 
He said he's appeared to him four times in dreams. He said the last one was he appeared to him and he, he took this, his hand, he dipped it down in a stream and he poured water over his head and he said, this you shall do to many people. What do you think that means? And I'm just going, wow. You see, don't believe that God doesn't love everyone. Don't believe that he's not pulling everyone to himself. And don't believe that he's not going to give every single person on this planet some kind of an opportunity to know him. Because he is. And that's what he's doing with Nebuchadnezzar. He says, I want you to know me. I want you to know my plans. Then Daniel returned to his house, verse 17, and, and explained the matter to his friends, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. They're new Babylonian names remember Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego he urged them to plead for mercy from the God of heaven concerning this mystery so that he and his friends might not be executed with the rest of the wise men of Babylon let me just say this is a, a great example to us who do you have that could pray for you on a moment's notice if you were leaving church today and suddenly you were aware of a crisis or you were involved in a crisis who are the five people that you would call around you to pray for you if your marriage was in trouble if you fell back into that addiction if you were struggling mightily in some area see all of us we've got to have those people around us we've got to have that support who's your prayer group Daniel knew these guys would pray all night with him now, you would have prayed all night too if you're going to have your head taken off in the morning, right? But, but it's important that we see that he had these friends. Go to God for me. Walk with me. Be in this with me. Pray with me that God will break through here. And I want you to think about that this week. I want you to get those people that you can trust. I mean, not people that are going to judge you or condemn you. I'm talking about what I love about this church the people that go here, it's like we're not judging each other. We're encouraging each other. So if you fall on your face and you tell these friends, they're not going to, you know, shoot you while you're down, you know. Well, he broke his leg like a horse, put him out of his misery, right? They're going to pick you up and dust you off and go, come on, we can do this. We can do this. We're going to finish. Come on, we can make it. That's what, that's what Daniel had. So he enlisted the prayer support of his friends and they prayed with him all through the night during the night verse 19 the mystery was revealed to Daniel in a vision then Daniel praised the God of heaven and said praise be to the name of God forever and ever wisdom and power are his he changes times and seasons he deposes kings and raises others up he gives wisdom to the wise and knowledge to the discerning he reveals deep and hidden things he knows what lies in darkness and light dwells with him I think and praise you God of my ancestors you have given me wisdom and power you have made known to me what we ask of you you have made known to us the dream of the king verse 24 then Daniel went to Arioch whom the king had appointed to execute the wise men of Babylon and said to him, do not execute the wise men of Babylon. Take me to the king and I will interpret his dream for him. So Arioch took Daniel to the king at once and said, I found a man among the exiles from Judah 
who can tell the king what his dream means. The king asked Daniel, also called Belteshazzar, that's his Babylonian name again, are you able to tell me what I saw in my dream and interpret it? Daniel replied, no wise man, enchanter, magician, or diviner can explain to the king the mystery he's asked about. But there is a God in heaven who reveals mysteries. He has shown King Nebuchadnezzar what will happen in the days to come. Here's the thing about Daniel's life that you're going to see. Every time he comes to these crises, he's always pointing people to God. I don't know about you, but if I was 17 and I had the answer that the king was going to be so excited about, I might want to kind of say, I'm pretty special too, you know? Well, thank you, king, you know, uh, yeah, I've got it. I'm better than the rest of your guys. So, you know, that's not what, he never did that. He never did that. He always, he said, this isn't really about me. I just happen to have a part because God's trying to show you something, your majesty. He's trying to point you in a direction. And one of my favorite little pieces of a verse is right here in this passage. But there is a God in heaven. He says, no one could do this. This is impossible, but there is a God in heaven. You see, you might be going down for the last time this morning, but there is a God in heaven. Your dreams might have fallen apart this morning, but there is a God in heaven. Don't count him out. Don't think that he was not involved. Don't think that he doesn't care. Because when we come to the end of our resources, that's when it's time for a miracle. That's when we get to see him in action. And, and I want you to know that in your life. It's so interesting that God just blesses Daniel over and over. And every time he does, he just points back to God. I think that gives God the freedom to bless him even more. Your dream and the visions that pass through your mind as you are lying in bed are these. As your majesty was lying there, your mind turned to things to come and the revealer of mysteries showed you what is going to happen. As for me, this mystery has been revealed to me not because I have greater wisdom than anyone else alive, but so that your majesty may know the interpretation and that you may understand what went through your mind. And the dream itself, it only takes a few verses to describe. Your majesty looked, verse 31, and there before you stood a, a large statue, an enormous, dazzling statue, awesome in appearance. The head of the statue was made of pure gold, its chest and arms of silver, its belly and thighs of bronze, its legs of iron, its feet partly of iron and partly of baked clay. And while you were watching, a rock was cut out, but not by human hands. It struck the statue on its feet of iron and clay and smashed them. Then the iron, the clay, the bronze, the silver, the gold were all broken into pieces and became like chaff on a threshing floor in the summer. And the wind swept them away without leaving a trace. But the rock that struck the statue became a huge mountain and filled the whole earth. Well, Nebuchadnezzar doesn't refute that that wasn't his dream. So 
Daniel nailed it, that God showed him exactly what it was. This dream is both simple and strange, isn't it? I mean, there's this enormous statue, four different kinds of metals, head of gold, chest of silver, belly and thighs of bronze, legs of iron. And the statue isn't moving, it's not speaking, so clearly the, the different metals are what means something. And suddenly a big stone strikes the feet and it just, the whole statue just drops into dust and then the wind just comes and blows it all away. Nothing left. And the stone keeps growing until it fills the whole earth. That's the dream. It's so interesting that the metals on the statue, uh, there's a progressive deterioration from top to bottom, gold, silver, Bronze is a mix of several metals and then iron. But there's also this this thing that each metal successively worth less but gets stronger. Gold is weak and malleable, silver less so. Bronze is, is pretty sturdy and iron, you know, iron. And so God's saying something. And then the feet of iron and clay, this really unstable combination Let's see what it means. Verse 36, this was the dream, and now we will interpret it for the king. Your majesty, you are the king of kings. The God of heaven has given you dominion and power and might and glory. In your hands he's placed all mankind and the beasts of the field and the birds in the sky. Wherever they live, he's made you ruler over them all. You are that head of gold after you. Another kingdom will arise inferior to yours. Next, a third kingdom, one of bronze, will rule over the whole earth. And finally, there will be a fourth kingdom, strong as iron. For iron breaks and smashes everything. And as iron breaks things, it will crush and break all the others. But just as you saw the feet and the toes were partly of baked clay and partly of iron, so this will be a divided kingdom. Yet it will have some of the strength of iron in it Even as you saw saw iron mixed with clay, as the toes were partly iron and partly clay, so this kingdom will be partly strong and partly brittle. And just as you saw the iron mixed with baked clay, so the people will be a mixture. And it will not remain united any more than iron mixes with clay. In the time of those kings, the God of heaven will set up a kingdom that will never be destroyed, nor will it be left to another people, it will crush all those kingdoms and bring them to an end, but it will itself endure forever. This is the meaning of the vision of the rock cut out of the mountain, but not by human hands, a rock that broke the iron, the bronze, the clay, the silver, and the gold to pieces. The great God has shown the king what will take place in the future, and the dream is true, and its interpretation is trustworthy. King Nebuchadnezzar fell prostrate before Daniel and paid him honor and ordered that an offering and incense be presented to him. The king said to Daniel, surely your God is the God of gods and the Lord of kings and a revealer of mysteries, for you were able to reveal this mystery. Now, this is not a passage that you're going to read in any secular university, but it's trustworthy. And it's so interesting that this is 600 BC that this is happening 
And Daniel said, this is the future. There's going to be a successive, four successive kingdoms that come into play. And the first one he identified, the Babylonian Empire. And later on in Daniel chapter 8, he identifies the next two. Before they ever came into being, the Persian Empire would come. And then the Greek Empire with Alexander the Great would come. And it never identifies the last one, the, uh, the legs of iron, but most scholars believe it has to refer to the Roman Empire with their iron swords and their great roads and taking over all of the world. And out of the Roman Empire is the rise of Western civilization. And the rock that turns into a mountain that covers the whole earth, that's God's empire. Now it came about in the Roman time, didn't it? When Jesus broke through time and space and died on the cross for us and opened the door for us to step into God's kingdom, but it's not done. And there's going to come a time when everything is God's kingdom. I wrote down there for you the historical outline and what it looks like and the times of that. And as you see each of those, it breaks down all the way to the Roman Empire and the rise of Western civilization, 63 BC, all the way to the present. I think it's highly significant that no other world power has ever taken over the whole earth since Rome. Now, Nazi Germany wanted to, tried to, didn't make it. The United States, you know, you can say there's empire sometimes around, but it, there's no seems to be no desire to take over the world. And, and, and even those, those great empires like England when, and, and Spain and Portugal, when they were sailing the seas, they never took over the world. Out of the Greek and Roman empires came Western civilization. And it, it, it's so interesting that all of these nations, and then Rome finally crumbled from within because the people were strong and weak at the same time there was a strong morality that went through it and then there was a really weakness the clay you know I don't I, it got so divided by the end of the Roman Empire that it couldn't hold together anymore I think of us today part of Western civilization that has arisen out of that the continuation of what's going on and I look even this week that as you see this week that uh, watch on TV and you see how divided we are and how every side is calling the other side evil and all these things and it's like how will we ever hold together we're not probably going to hold together is that a shock to you have you seen every empire rise and fall and rise and fall and the United States is no different That's what he's trying to say. There's only one kingdom that lasts. Verse 48, then the king placed Daniel in a high position, lavished many gifts on him. He made him ruler over the entire province of Babylon and placed him in charge of all its wise men. Moreover, at Daniel's request, the king appointed Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego administrators over the province of Babylon, while Daniel himself remained at the royal court. Are you kidding me? Think about this. At 17, he became the mayor of Babylon. 
Now don't tell me God's not in this. God's not working. This young boy, this young man kept walking with God in spite of the odds, in spite of the hurt, in spite, and he kept believing that God was good even when he couldn't see it, carried off into captivity, and God just keeps promoting him, keeps building this into him. I want to wrap up the study of chapter 2 with a few brief observations. Write these down, okay? That great story, the greatest story ever written. It's not written by earthly rulers, but by the hand of God. Now, think about this. Every great ruler thinks he's pretty much calling the shots, right? But we see in Daniel chapter 4, the, the bigger they come, the harder they fall. We're going to see that here before long. Psalm 75, 6 and 7 says, No one from the east or the west or from the desert can exalt a man, but it is God who judges. He brings down one. He exalts another. The powers that be are ordained by God. There's, there's things that God does. I don't understand how this works because he's given us free will. But somehow the free choices of men still work and weave together to fulfill the purposes of God. The empires rise and the empires fall in accordance to his divine purposes. I think it keeps us in perspective as believers. Sometimes we forget how sovereign God is and we start looking. If you're in the midst of an empire that's crumbling, if it's iron and clay and they don't mix and you're seeing all of this and you're watching it play out before your very eyes, it's so easy to start to get afraid, to start to try to figure out. And God's going, I've still got this. This didn't catch me off guard. I'm still God. And I find myself, God, just give us some more time. Give us some more. Let your church step up because politicians aren't going to save us. It's only you and changing people from the inside out that's going to save us. Give us 25 more years. Give us 50 more years that we can do this. And I don't know if that's God's will or not. But I'm asking for it. And it's good to ask for but empires rise and empires fall. And they always have. And they always will. And everybody that lived in every one, you think of the end of the Roman Empire, did they ever think the barbarian hordes would take it as it crumbled from within? No. But it didn't last. It didn't last. Nothing lasts. Number two, in the story, the great story, all the empires ultimately serve God's eternal purpose. You know, when you're being mistreated by evil people, Nebuchadnezzar was not a good guy. Nebuchadnezzar was not like, we read this and we think, wow, he must have been a really good guy. He's the same guy that just said, I'm going to rip you limb from limb, every thousand of you, if you don't do this impossible task. He's the same one that had probably just killed Daniel's family without batting an eye. He had raised Jerusalem to the ground without even thinking about it. It's just what you do when you leave an enemy behind. He's not a good man. And yet Daniel knows that God is 
standing in the shadows working out his plan even in the darkest moments of our lives. He's still God. He still got it. He still understands. Number three, everything else will pass away except the story. Even the mightiest empires are temporary. Everything else is going to pass away. The stone comes and when it hits the base of iron and clay, when God's kingdom comes, when Jesus returns, and all of these things, there seems to be this imminent wrapping up of things. Things are beginning to move. The Bible says it's going to be like a woman in labor. And what you're going to see is upheaval in the natural realm. Earthquakes and tsunamis. All these will begin to accelerate. You're going to see upheaval among mankind as people begin to war with each other. And nations begin to break down from within internal wars. You're going to see all of this and then the kingdom of God will come and everything else is going to be reduced to dust. That old band that I listened to in the 70s and 80s, Kansas, they got it right, dust in the wind, right? Everything is dust in the wind. In fact, it was interesting because that was our high school, um, you know, you always had to pick a high school theme song. We picked dust in the wind. I was like, well, actually we picked highway to hell first by ACDC and that got rejected, okay? And then we were dust in the wind. I don't know what kind of senior group we were, but real cheery group, right? You know, everything is dust in the wind. Yay. But here's the thing. It's, it's so true. Everything but God. In this temporary world, number four, God is writing an eternal story. He's writing an eternal story. When you die, you get a hole in the ground and a piece of granite above your head. That's what the world gives you. A hole in the ground and a piece of granite. On the granite, they chisel your name, your date of birth, your date of death. And guess how they sum up your life? You get a little dash. Mark Shook, 1961, dash, date of death. Maybe it represents 75 years, a hole in the ground and a dash. Well, but what if you're famous? What do you get if you're famous? A hole in the ground and a dash. What if you live to be 90? A hole in the ground and a dash. What if you die as a teenager? hole in the ground and a dash what if you're a good good person a hole in the ground and a dash what if you're an evil awful jerk a hole in the ground and a dash old people young people rich people poor people nice people bad people rock stars faithful missionaries axe murderers a hole in the ground and a dash so we really just have one thing we have to decide, and that's number five. In which story do you want to place your dash? In which story do you want to place your dash? You see, God is writing an eternal 
story. It's moving through the ages. It will outlast America by billions upon billions upon billions of years. There is an eternal thing moving. I want you to think about your life recently. What have you been investing all your time in? Is it temporary? Is it going to be reduced to dust? In America, one day every house will be dust. Every great institution will be dust. Mount Rushmore with the president's big faces on there will be dust. That's what the, it's all going to be dust. It's not going to last. But there is something, there's an eternal story. And we're going to see it written through the book of Daniel in these coming weeks. But there is something that will last. His kingdom. And what he's looking to us, he's saying, focus, focus. Quit losing focus. Quit looking at the, the iron and the clay, battling it out. Quit looking at that. Look to me. Believe. Just believe me. And get involved in what I'm involved in. Invest your resources in what's going to last. That's one of the things that I always feel with you guys. That in all our time, our resources, everything. I feel this huge burden that I make sure it goes to the right places. And makes a difference in things that the Bible says. This is what's important. This is what matters. This is all that counts. Pure and undefiled religion, the Bible says, is helping orphans and widows in their distress and keeping oneself unstained by the world. 